are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm definitely tired. Definitely tired. Do, do I make the admission that it's not the first time we've tried to do this podcast, but I actually forgot to press record the first time? <laughs> Well, at least we didn't get too far into it. But uh, yeah, like this is this is take two, and we're not taking two because we thought the first one wasn't good enough. Well, actually, it wasn't good enough because half of it wasn't recorded. It, it was human error, and this is this comes down to sleep deprivation. Normally, at this time of year, I'm kind of fine tuned with kind of crazy hours if we're working remotely. And a lot of the time the children will be at school or if they're home, sort of putting plans in place. But I don't know why this kind of sprung up on us because we've had plenty of time to prepare. But overnights, children, the only thing it takes me back to, and and I'm sure people will relate to this, is having a newborn baby and sleep deprivation. It's kind of how, except this time, instead of the newborn baby just crying... These ones talk back to you. So I've got, <laughs> I've, got, I've got sleep deprivation and a couple of five-year-olds going, Mom, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, yeah, this is, this is not good. So it's that, it's that juggle that I'm doing really badly of, of not having any sleep, getting ready for work, looking after children, and then, then we've got to go to work and do the work, right? Yes, and the work re- involves speaking <laughs> to lots <laughs> making of people sense. <laughs> exactly. and trying to say something relatively insightful at the time, which does become a bit more of a struggle as the hours uh, tick on. Because, of course, we're doing the Western and Southern Open remotely from London, as yeah. a lot of the media is doing everything remotely now, whether that's yeah. journalists or, or whoever it is. So, uh, yeah, we have it's supposed to be in Cincinnati <laughs> but it's not in Cincinnati it's in New York uh, and so we're, we're, we've embarked on our three weeks of, of nights really isn't it with the US Open all in all yeah uh, a big error on my part though and oh another uh, one it's <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm having a good couple of weeks um, and a note to self is do not plan a play date when you are doing overnights yeah that's a terrible decision Terrible decision, it? I think that was out of kind of parent parental guilt. I thought, yeah, let's organise a play date. That'll be that'll be great fun. But you forget on play dates. Not only do the children play and just cause chaos because we're dealing with sort of five year old boys, but you're also having to make conversation with with the mum who is absolutely lovely and a good friend. But <laughs> but you you're know, a zombie. <laughs> I, I'm a zombie. So every other sort of sentence, I'm saying like, I'm really sorry. Just not really with it. Oh, today. I thought you were going to say every other sentence. I'm saying Novak Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> Just start talking about Andy Murray and his chances at the U.S. Open or something. <laughs> start running through my match prep. Well, the head-to-head between the two. Yeah, exactly. John is serving great guys. <laughs> I haven't quite got to that point yet, but you, you forget what's involved in a play day, and they're they're quite brutal, especially with younger children. Because, you, you know, you're keeping an eye on the chaos. You're, you're making conversation. And it's, it's a lot of multitasking to do when you haven't had a lot of sleep. And then you're sort of, and your mind is thinking about what you've got to do a little bit later. So, you know, that was, it was a really bad idea to have, uh, it's a really bad idea to have a play date yeah. during, and during a week of overnight. Yeah, it's kind of all, yeah. all consuming. I mean, it's tough enough for me having to walk the dog during the day <laughs> and get into work. But uh, yeah, no, but it's still good fun. Look, we get to commentate on tennis again 
because otherwise they could say you can't do it you have to be there on site which we obviously can't be so we're commentating on tennis it's often running the men's i know the women's has been going for a few weeks because they got a bit of a head start but the men's are often running i was gonna say everybody but not everybody a lot of people are playing in new york at the moment and it's yeah i think it's it's off to a good start i think the level's been really good and as much as we say, and I don't know how many times you've said this during competition, I've said it loads, is that the players, you know, this is what they have to do for this to happen. Do you know what I mean? In terms of yes. these are rules and this is what's got to go on. It's just, you know, crack on and get on with it. It's the same for us as well. We are, we've talked for how many weeks have we talked about wanting to work and wanting these tournaments to go ahead? And yes, it does mean that for safety reasons in the midst of this pandemic, we're doing these three weeks from the UK <laughs> and it is tiring but we're working and as I say I think every match I say well this is what is needed whether it's the no fans or the testing etc for the players for us to have this tournament and, and I agree with you in terms of the rest I think it's really interesting the the three WTA tournaments that were held before Cincinnati and the US Open bubble it seemed to be that the players who were playing well before lockdown had kind of resumed that form. I'm, you know, Jennifer Brady, uh, Simona Halep, just to give you two names. Yes. And it, it feels a little bit like that. From And we've been keeping an eye on the WTA side of things. We've been focusing on the ATP side of things. But it feels a little bit like that from what we've seen from the men so far. Yeah, I'd say so. There haven't been sort of huge, huge surprises, really. I don't think it's um, yeah been kind of chugging along pretty much as expected. Yeah, there, yeah, there's been some rust as there there has been with uh, some of the women's matches, but on the whole, that's only sort of showed itself up in maybe one element or something in the match. So uh, I remember Dan Evans's first match was just absolute quality from the back of the court. The serving was a little bit patchy. But it was amazing from the back of the court. It just looked great. Like everything just looked like he'd never been away. And the serve just kind of came in and out and was causing a few issues, but he managed to win. So that's just sort of one example. And I feel like everybody's kind of had that like an element to deal with. There have been a couple of players who have struggled a little more. I mean, Felix Auger Eliasim was definitely struggling in multiple areas. The forehand got tight, loads of double faults as well. Um, and so there were a couple of things that he needed to sort of work on. The unforced errors were really, really high uh, in the match that he lost. Um, but then, yeah, there were those issues. But actually, kind of, there was a good chunk in there as well. There was. It wasn't like he's forgotten how to play tennis. It's just that sometimes those those sort of complexes that you've had from a, a young age, they just kind of catch up with you. Dominic Team would be the one that stands out at this stage. We are recording this, I mean, day-wise, I haven't got a clue because not only are we sleep-deprived, <laughs> but Masters don't normally start on a Saturday. So, yes. so the fact that this is now a Wednesday, it is Wednesday. Amazed we made, we made it in. <laughs> just, I mean, I just, yeah. So it's Wednesday today. Dominic Team, as we speak, he lost to Filip Krajinovic, I think, two and one, which... I mean, that was a surprise. I, I, it's that kind of thing. Is anything a surprise because they've been out so long? But I think for Dominic Team, who played hundreds, almost hundreds of exhibition matches, and I know they don't replicate the real thing, but that was quite a surprise how he was dismantled by Krajinovic. Yeah, it was It was fairly quick as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it did feel like Dominic Team would be getting off to a decent start, and he said there was nothing wrong. It was just not a very good match, so... I think you've got to allow that room, haven't you? There are going to be some players who won't pick up from where they left off. 
And maybe the reason Dominic Team plays so many matches is because he needs matches. That's what he needs. And as much as he's had lots of matches, they have all been exhibitions. Uh, and actually, it's just the situation that he needs to compete week in, week out to start feeling good. Otherwise, he's kind of down on confidence. I'm not really sure. I mean, Krajinovic can always be pretty dangerous. The guy's yeah, kind of on yeah. the rise and he played a great match. Um, but you would expect team to put up a bit more resistance than that. But yeah, maybe the confidence just not quite there with uh, without the matches he was looking for. Andy Murray has been as entertaining as ever. The the win against Sasha Zverev was, what was it? His, I think it was his first top eight win since the Tour Finals in 2016. His first top 10 win since Roland Garros in 2017. And he got under the skin of Sasha Zverev, who was coming in on the serve. He was putting so much pressure. He played so well. But then he just felt it was maybe a little step too far at this stage, coming up against a very, 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 very good and very curly-haired Milos Raonic. <laughs> very curly head yeah I think it's the back-to-back nature of it that's going to be the hardest thing for Andy like we know he can play at a really high level we saw that at the back end of last year as well but it's the day after day can he do that and he got to the point where he could do that last year because he won a title but can he, he kind of almost needs to start again with that sort of fitness and beating somebody like Zverev the amount of physical effort that would have taken to then come back uh, and try and play the next day, I think, was a, a bit too far of him. But but Milos has been playing brilliantly. He's He's been off and running, I mean, <laughs> from the very beginning. He's serving great. He's moving great. Maybe the curly hair is the uh, is the solution. But <laughs> I think it's been, uh, yeah, it's been great to see Andy doing what he's doing. Everybody seems to just be so sort of engrossed in the Andy Murray story. Uh, and and to come up with a, a win like that against Verov and yeah I mean he really got in his head I mean some of those returns on the second serve he was halfway up the court <laughs> the uh, the muttering is back from Murray and in the match against Raonic it was brilliant so his team two members of his team have been wearing masks a lot of people are wearing masks when they're on the court the coaches don't have to wear the masks courtside but they were against Raonish Murray started sort of gesturing and yelling why are you wearing masks Take them off. Why, why you got masks on this is ridiculous and some other words that I probably won't repeat so then we had the rain delay when they came back out there were no masks on uh. so, he was, so he was looking towards them still trying to get I mean I just think they are a very close-knit tight team very very good friends but I just think it'd be terrifying sitting in an Andy Murray box. I, I just I generally can't think of anything worse. I don't know. Like, I mean, would you, would you end up just kind of laughing? That's, when he's, when he's, that's not good. <laughs> he doesn't want to see you laughing. It's, that's bad. I know. But you know, when he's kind of berating himself, like at the changeover, and he's doing that sort of sarcastic thing, I just find it hilarious. When he's shouting at you, that's slightly different. I think that's a little bit more terrifying. And I have had the privilege of sitting in an Andy Murray box years and years and years ago. And I was sat behind Brad Gilbert, who was his coach at the time. And um, it's full on. You know, the cameras do not always pick it up because they're often focusing on the player who's won the point. <laughs> and Andy doesn't win every point he plays. So it is quite <laughs> intense, to be fair. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the best way to deal with it is just to be pretty stoic as... Jamie Delgado is he just yeah he takes the abuse and then he just goes come on (laughs) or something I don't know Uh, is there any kind of is there a pre-match talk before going into an Andy Murray box is it kind of like you're expected to do this or this might happen or don't do this or is there nothing at all 
oh oh in terms of how they act i think or you know was there a little when you went into the box was like okay uh you're in the box but x y and z or was nothing oh for me oh for me no i was just in the back of the box that was down in australia for for yeah the bystanders (laughs) it's absolutely fine but for kind of jamie delgado or whoever his coach is, you just, I think you just kind of learn the ropes as you go as in terms of what he expects from you in that situation. You get it wrong enough times that you figure, okay, there's only one thing left and that's just to not react at all. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's what they have to rely on. But I do find it, I don't know why, I kind of find it funny now because I just, I know that, you know, he's obviously not like that. Yeah. And yeah. that's what the team says, is he's so respectful and appreciative and all that stuff off the court. It's just on the court. That's what he has to deal with. Can we talk about towels? Towels? Towels. Um, I don't think I've ever talked so much about towels. And I don't think the players have ever talked so much about towels. We are not used to, at a coin toss, any questions. There's no questions because we know what we're doing. There are so many questions. Which towel box am I in? Do I have to collect my towel? Will you remind me to get my towel? I mean, it's incredible the questions we're now getting at the coin toss because we have the two, they're kind of like laundry bins, aren't they? Yeah. Is that buckets? The, bu- the buckets, sort of laundry bin buckets that are blue, so they sort of blend in with the back of the court. And there's two baskets in the respective ones, and there's a bit of yellow and a bit of white. And that is where the players take their towels. And I mean, the amount of players that are actually forgetting. To bring their towel. But you don't need to collect your towel, do you? You can just leave it there for the whole match because you've got your own box. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking is can't you just leave one at each end and have one at your bench? It depends how sweaty you are, right? Yeah, but you need one at either end. You're going to towel down at least once in a game. But if you're really sweaty, you want to collect it, maybe bring a new one. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, no, you don't need to go through more than one towel. Oh, yes, you do. Well, if if you're splitting your sweat between three towels... One at the change of ends and one at either end. You're not going to need to replace them. No way. Maybe Francis Tiafo. Did you see Borna Church the other night? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> it was honestly like he was standing under a shower. I mean, it yeah, was, he just jumped out of a pool. It was absolutely incredible. And the problem they're having is, and I had this discussion with someone, that the boxes are a little bit too similar because you've got yellow and white. Do you think that's yes. fine as a player or would you want more contrasting colours so you automatically know which box is yours? Uh... Just, you know, I think it's, I, I don't think it's too much of a problem. Have you seen somebody put it in the wrong one? I haven't. I've seen them ask which one and ask, and what about different coloured towels? Because they're just white. What about having a a blue and a green towel? Well, the colour's always an issue. You know how players are. They love their white towels. They always want the white towels. Um, but at Wimbledon, you have a men's and a ladies' towels. So you have different coloured towels. I know they still ask for white towels, but wouldn't yeah. that just be an easier thing well, to do? The white towels are just more absorbent. You kind of get a lot of fluff residue on the beard area for the guys anyway. I was going to say, do you know this? (laughs) (laughs) For the guys. Well, I've seen it. Yes. Um, So, yeah, the white towels are definitely very popular. But I I think the towel box bucket thing works. Well, it's like a laundry bin because some of them do leave the towel and then just put a fresh one in. So in the end, you've sort of got about four or five towels. And it's been interesting because, and you can't blame the players for this. They are used to, at a certain level, especially at a master's level, everything being done for them, whether it's, can I have a banana? Can I have a drink? Can I have the ice towel placed over my shoulder? It's just done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, and, and now, and, and I d- they're a bit like, 
oh, where's the ice towel? Or, oh, could you bring me some bananas? Can I get that? Can I, do, I, you know, can I get some scissors to cut something off? Or no, they can't. Right, I've got to do that. So it's it's this new normal that we're getting used to. And, and I don't blame the players. It's just that if something's always been done for you and then suddenly it's not, it does take a little bit of time. Yeah, it does. And definitely asking for the towels has been one thing that's just really tough for players to not do. And they keep pointing them. and then go, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You don't have to go. Because the, the ball people just <laughs> stare at them blankly. Like, I don't know, I can't get your towel, but you're asking me to get your towel. Seriously, I can't get it. Uh, so that has been interesting. I think Shapovalov said that he asked for it 20 or 30 times. Uh, <laughs> in his first match and just kept saying I'm sorry I'm sorry doesn't want to wind the ball people up but can we talk about ball people I just we need a new name because when there are children you will say right the ball girl or the ball boy picked it up on radio when I say ball person it's like I don't know whether they're male or female yeah ball, so you, you, know you want I mean? to say ball man ball woman if I say oh the ball person collected it there's someone listening going does she not know whether that's a man or a woman and I do know if it's a man or a woman I, just I think don't think too... people are thinking that do you not think so <laughs> Ball, but I, I just think so. sort of think but whether we come up with something like ball handler or ball carrier or ball, I don't know, or ball. I don't know. I quite like ball people, ball person. But then it's in, like, in, a, in the States at the tournament, they're saying ball persons, aren't they? Instead of ball people. There's no ball people. They're, they're putting it up on the barriers saying kind of thanks, saying thanks to our ball persons. But uh, no, I understand that if you're if you're sort of generally thanking them. But if you're in commentary and you're saying the ball boy or ball girl, I just think ball person is like I can't figure out what they are, which just think just, ball man, ball ball man is a ball man. <laughs> just, it's, a, it's a ball woman. It's a, She's a ball woman. I, it, there's a lot of things. Or you just go ball. Per, you say, so you, you ball, person, ball person she. Oh, then you do it. What ball person you know what I mean? she? That sounds like you completely don't know how to construct a <laughs> sentence. <laughs> that just sounds like you're having grammar problems. No, you could say it was picked up by the ball person and she runs back to the corner. Well, I just feel we just get a bit convoluted now. It just it oh, look if the but that's that covers all bases. I think that's that's genius. Players are getting used to a lot of things. So there's a lot of things for everyone to get used to. We talked about the press having to work at all hours remotely. What about the lack of? fans although some matches an awful lot of people because you're in the tier one bubble you can move around creep into court but how have you found the no fans and people talking about it as a little bit of a leveler can you see that being the case as we move into the US Open I think without the fans it's absolutely fine I think you barely notice until it's a big moment until it's a ridiculous Andy Murray passing shot, and you were working on that match, I just had the pleasure of relaxing and watching it. Watching it. <laughs> but uh, there were plenty of those when he played against Verev, for example. And there's just, you know, there's not, nothing there. And you just think, this guy's just hit this outrageous shot that no one else can do. And, every, and then that's it. It's just silence. It's not like Sasha's going to give him a clap, is it? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think only the big moments and the match points. You do really feel that there's no one there. But we have had a couple, actually. I think it was Goffan's match where there was quite a lot of people there. There was about 15 people all clapping at the end. And it actually felt like, OK, yeah, he's just kind of won an outside match at a slam or something. But I, for me, it's absolutely fine until those particular moments. And I don't know what we can do about that. But do you think it will help the lower rank players take on... The top players, I know you'll say, well, look, the top players are a different class, they're a different breed. But the fact that 
uh, Novak Djokovic, although saying this, he's gone 2-0 and so far through Cincinnati and he's 20-0 for the year to this point. But could they get to a point where they need the crowd? Because there are players that use the crowd and feed off the crowd and draw from the crowd. And there'll be a number of players who aren't used to a crowd. So can you see it at all being any kind of, whereas we might not miss it, but can you see it being a, any kind of leveller between players? Well, I think it just depends who you are. If you're the sort of person who really feeds off the crowd, if you're a Nick Kyrgios, it's almost you, you almost don't know why he would be playing <laughs> with no one there. Yeah. No one to chat to half the time. No one to ask <laughs> where to serve. <laughs> I mean, how will he know where to serve if he can't ask the front row? Um, so I think there'll be some players that it definitely affects more than others. But... And I think there are certain times, like if you start pushing towards, say, semi-finals and you're feeling fatigued and you don't get off to a good start and you need something to lift you, you kind of need that that energy. So I do, I do think that it will have some sort of effect on players. Whether it will be an overall leveler like the wind is, for example, then no, I don't, I don't believe that. I've enjoyed the, the chatter. You hear a lot more of the chatter, whether it's the players talking to the chair umpire, for instance, just the constant dialogue. We also have Hawkeye Live, so they can't challenge. So, which, which I quite They're like. still trying. They're still trying. <laughs> and I, I miss line judges and I miss the arms of line judges in particular because it's something in commentary you look out for, the arm shooting out. But... I, I like the fact they can't challenge. I like the fact it's quicker and we're not hanging around and we're not waiting for the challenge to come in and a player isn't waiting to, to get a feel from his box. For me, that's been it's been a positive. But as you say, they're, they're still trying to challenge and it's like, well, no, you're not allowed to challenge. And then there was, in the Djokovic match, there was a, came up on the big screen and it was basically looked out and it said in. And, and as much as the ball looked out, it said in. So Djokovic, I like the fact that you, you can't, do you know what I mean? You can't complain. You just have to get on with it. Well, surely the absolute best moment so far has been the stop, stop in the middle of the Ons Yabur <laughs> and Madison Keys match. That was amazing. No one in the stadium. It was the last match of the night. It was dead. It wasn't that late for tennis, but it was late for any other sport. It was late. It was dark. And it just suddenly this sort of robot stop, <laughs> stop coming on as Ons was about to serve was amazing. I thought that was really, I would honestly, I would genuinely be spooked. I'd be <laughs> really because what you do, it's not like you can turn it off. So imagine if that had been like a proper malfunction. And normally the umpire would say, if something's malfunctioning, okay, I'll just turn it off. But you can't. You've got no line calls <laughs> left anymore. And halfway through a, a Sitsapas match, the the point was underway. We were about six shots in, and suddenly Footfall <laughs> came out, and everyone everyone stopped. And Sitsapas looked up to the chair, and the umpire didn't have a clue, so they had to go to Hawkeye and say, um, Footfall? And it, it was actually a Footfall, but something between pressing the button and it, 
actually the voice coming out was sort of five or six shots later. So, <laughs> so, so wonderfully, it was all accepted and, and off we go. Look, everyone knows that this is a new normal and changes have been made, et cetera, et cetera. But it was just great. So halfway through a really good point is like foot fault. And everyone's like, I didn't think that happened during a point, but it's like, there are... <laughs> Yeah, we've got a new rule, a new rule for the season. You You're can't. not allowed inside the baseline ever. <laughs> yeah, that's if, it. If you cross we any hate line, and volley that much. <laughs> if you cross any line, this is what's going to happen. But it's you know, it, it's all the things. It was interesting. Actually, we um we got an email from from Lisa who said she's enjoying the podcast, and because she knows we're covering Cincinnati, she she wanted to hear how it changes providing commentary during a pandemic in terms of are we wearing masks, maintaining social distances when we're calling matches, are there different protocols, temperature taking, hand washing, testing, and which it's, I thought it was a really interesting question because we talk a lot about what the players are going through, but but you yeah. and I, we've, we've also had our own protocols to follow to get back to doing tennis. We have, yes. And as we mentioned before, the number one thing is being remote, not being able to get out to the tournaments, to the slams. You would normally be out in New York at this time of year. So uh, we have to sort of get used to that. So kind of working at weird, funky hours. <laughs> That's fun. Do you want to... You, you can talk about it a little bit as well. What, what about inside the box? Because to be fair, boxes are sort of not very conducive to not... <laughs> To, to to not passing stuff on because they're like an airtight, very small box that you're put in with somebody else. And they're cold, the air conditioning. Well, we had to take um, a swab test. Yes. The up the nose, down the throat. And I spoke to my friend who's a nurse um, to say, you know, how do we know when we've done this correctly? And she said, well, you've got to get it, you know, you have to basically gag when it's going down your throat and up the nose to, to the point where your eyes water. I don't know about you, but I have to say it was, oh, that that was not a great experience. (laughs) Standing in the kitchen had to be done. Up it went, down it went, off it went. So we had those to do and we received the email to say negative and off we go. And then in terms of where we are working, we had to fill out a questionnaire before we arrived to say how we're feeling, have we been in contact with anyone who's been ill, have we been away, etc, etc in the last 14 days. Then on upon arrival, there's the, the temperature gun that a lot of people are now familiar yeah. with, sort of pointed at your head you. and off you go. We And this differs from company to company, but where we're working, you have to wear a mask within the building at all times. There's a one-way system. And within our commentary box, there's a plastic partition. Because as you say, it's, it's not conducive to social distancing, these airtight, air-conditioned boxes. But we have we have our own headsets for each commentator. Um, everything is wiped down when you change over. And we have the plastic partition. So there are, there are a lot of protocols in place for us to make it as safe as possible to return to tenant and to make everybody feel comfortable yeah exactly and it, it feels it feels yeah. fairly comfortable and the plastic screen is is clear so we can still see each other <laughs> oh yes no we, we can we, we can wave and look at each other that would be weird if I couldn't actually see you because a lot of the time in commentary it's it's making that eye contact isn't it it's it's things that you don't say but you can see in each other's facial expressions that that are part of it if uh, <laughs> can you imagine if I couldn't see you it'd be really weird <laughs> yeah and and also with radio commentary there's a lot of shouting that goes on as well which is not helpful for sort of firing spit particles everywhere so the screen is very welcome 
<laughs> what are you saying that in years to come we're just going to keep the screen? I don't know. I think it's a, it's a useful tool. <laughs> Although I say that, I don't think I've ever been spat on by you. I've been spat on by other people. I can't believe you. I don't think you've ever been spat on. No, you would never be spat on. But I don't look at you when I'm commentating. I'm, I tend to be looking at the tennis, whether it be through a window or into a monitor. If there's a big point, and if I'm going to spit at anybody, it's going to be at the monitor. Yeah, fair enough. I don't, some people get really excited. As I say, you've never done it. So you clearly know what you're doing. Well, normally, when I look at you, I'm sort of asking you a question or getting a reaction. Or sometimes I don't say anything. We, you've had the, maybe the spitting point. <laughs> and then I just look at you and you start talking. So... I'm going to be really conscious of it now, but no, I've, uh, to this point, I I can't even believe I'm saying it, I have not spat at you. (laughs) Now, something I did last week was, I did a debate on Fox Sports Asia, and it's called The Generation Gap, and it was Serena Williams against Steffi Graf, who is the greater. Oh, yes. And I was given Serena Williams, I felt, look, both outstanding players, but I felt very lucky to be given Serena Williams to be able to debate it. Uh, it was, you know what? It's, it's, no, you know what? It's, it's, if you're it's just. A bit easier. If, no, 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 you know, I think, <laughs> and I was debating with Sam Smith, if you're debating. <laughs> yes, it is. Admit tennis it. player to tennis player, I don't think it is easier. And I'm almost certain I could probably bring up the case for Graf. But if you're just talking tennis player. No, you're debating who's the greatest. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the thing. But you're not, though, yeah. because you're talking the greatest. That's the question. If if it said, if it said specifically, who is the best at playing tennis? You're right. And I think when I got different. Serena Williams, well, when I was looking on the tennis side of things and really going deep into it, for me, Graf was coming up each time, just, just purely as a tennis player. But with Serena Williams, there is everything else. She is a cultural icon. She has crossed over so many divides. She's battled so much. She has this incredible story of of her life in tennis. And I feel like I'm about to start the debate again. (laughs) But there is so much more there. And that's not taking away anything from Steffi Graf. She's a quieter personality. She chose to to leave tennis and then really leave tennis. So, But when I think you're debating something like that, you you do feel like you've got a touch of an advantage because of everything else that comes with Serena Williams. Were we asked? I don't. I wasn't asked directly if I thought she would equal or break Margaret Court's record. And I know we've spoken on the podcast. And pre-pandemic, I said no. During pandemic, I said she has a greater chance. But now I think I'm. I think I'm going back to no. Interesting. Well, you have been fairly solidly no for a while, so. But I mean, where are you? Because I think there's many things that would advantage her in this situation. And we won't run through them all again, but it's, you know, almost coming from a standing start, which she has done before. It's her experience. There are some players who are missing. But the loss to Shelby Rogers in Lexington, and I know there's there's rust and players coming back. But then I think against, she should have lost to a Rancher Roos, Cincinnati. And then the loss to Maria Sakara. I don't think it's Maria Sakara's best performance ever, but it was the third set. It was the fatigue. It was it was the cramping from Serena Williams in that third set. I think that was the most worrying. Yeah, and I think in a lot of her matches, most of her losses really throughout 2020, how she's played well enough to win, and she basically did everything but win. She got super close every single time, yeah. uh, unless I'm forgetting something but it it just seems like it's becoming a little bit difficult just to get it 
over the line. I don't know whether she's starting to think that she's won before she has or or what it is. But, yeah, it's clearly something that she's got to try and, and deal with. But I do think that you're maybe writing her off a little early because imagine she sorts that out. Imagine if she says, OK, actually, I've worked it out. I know how to do it now. I know how to close out the match. And that's not going to happen anymore. But she hasn't got a lot of time to work that out. It's not like... It's next, the US Open. She I mean, could work that out tomorrow. But it sounds crazy, doesn't it? The US Open starts on Monday, and I always felt that it it was it was more mental and physical at this point in terms of reaching these finals, reaching the four finals, not crossing over the line. That it was a real mental. I want that number. I've got the record, and then she's made it clear that's what she wants to do. So if the mental element is still there. And if we're adding in a touch of the physical element, and she's played an awful lot of tennis, and a lot of these tennis players are just having to find their tennis legs after a long time out, and she is among them because she hasn't played any competitive matches as no one else has. I'm just not sure. Yes, maybe she could play her way in. I'm just not sure there's enough time. And each time there's a defeat, it gives those who are going to face her a little bit more confidence and belief that they can beat her. Yeah, I agree. And you can feel that the confidence has been growing in the field over the past couple of years. I think when players like Arantxa Rus walk onto court and play against her, they start off with confidence. And then when they start winning, they don't tend to flinch. Sometimes, yes, Serena pulls things back, turns things around. That happens. But yeah, more and more players. It used to just be the top players and Elise Cornet who could do that. Nobody else could do it. And now everybody's kind of walking on court thinking, you know, I can, I can win this match now. She's kind of one of the pack once again. And I don't know when she yeah. was last one of the pack. Was she ever one of the pack for like a couple of months, maybe <laughs> before she started winning slams? But yeah, she just feels, I mean, she's obviously not just another player because she has this incredible aura and this legacy and everything that she's done, everything that you would have debated about, I'm sure. But um, right now she just... She she feels like kind of one of the other players. But one of the other players could win a slam. One of the pack can win the slams. They have been winning the slams recently. So it wouldn't be that surprising for me. For me, she's if she's in the mix, she can win another slam. Is she going to win the US Open? Oh, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's going to be this slam. But she's going to play a few more. She definitely can. <laughs> she definitely can. I would not be surprised if she did, honestly. Now, I've got to get your professional opinion on something. When I heard this and when I saw this, I thought there really is only one person to ask because there's only one person oh, no. I actually know. <laughs> that, do you know where I'm headed? That has got this experience and actually can speak from experience on this topic. Oh, okay. Right? Ooh, not sure. Denis Shapovalov has... Yes. Um, recently released oh god he's recently released <laughs> night train now yeah night train you want my expert opinion night train is a rap and people who have been with us since the beginning know that in a former life naomi was known as dj baggy pockets is that right there's no dj about it i wasn't a dj oh, just baggy pockets. i don't know why you keep calling me a dj <laughs> but it was was it bag- not a dj was it baggy pockets Yes. You. So were you known as like rapper Baggy Pockets? I feel like I've got to put something no. in front of... I can't just call you Baggy Pockets. Why? 
just sounds weirder than it actually is. Oh, yeah. This is something coming up from when I was a fair bit younger, a long time ago. But you are the only person I know personally who's written a rap. Do you write a rap? Who's written a rap and who has performed a rap and who has recorded a rap. Therefore, baggy pockets, could you give me your professional opinion on chapeau and night train? Well, not really. I feel like it's not professional because I did it once uh yeah I don't know I mean I'm not actually a massive rap fan to be honest so it's quite hard to tell it sounded like he had fantastic production that's all all I can say I'm not sure that's making it sound like it's that good (laughs) you know what what surprised me is and maybe I mean, people do have alter egos. I think the famous one is is Beyonce, isn't it? Doesn't she say that she has, is it Sasha Fierce or something? Yes. It is her alter ego. And and maybe that's the case with Shapovalov because all the dealings I've had with him, he is the nicest of young men. Um, Yeah. Absolutely just a lovely guy asks how you are, remembers your name the next day after you've interviewed him. Just a lovely, lovely young man. Now, on this rap, it's got a parental advisory explicit lyrics on it. And he plenty re- of them, and and he really he really kind of goes for it, and he's obviously using experience as a tennis player, and uh, and we know that uh, yes, Strumpska didn't she release a more kind of poppy, a poppy song, a single, yes. yes, she's released a single, single as well. But I just I don't know how I feel about it. I just want him to be that sort of nice guy that I've spoken to. I'm not sure about this rap side. I think he is just a nice guy, and I think that might be one of his main struggles with his rap career. <laughs> that he's too nice yeah I mean are there nice rappers I'm not sure I don't know we don't want to say all rappers are not nice I feel that that might have been a joke I'm sure they're nice to some people can you imagine Marin Cilic rapping no like he's just (laughs) well he's extreme nice he's on the he's one end of the spectrum but I think it's good that they got to do stuff whilst they were um in lockdown and somehow he he got some sort of uh studio going and uh and put together his rap. It's been it's been a dream of his. I mean, look, let's be fair. He has put his rap career on hold so that he can play tennis, and for that we must be very appreciative. And because, look, Andre <laughs> Rublev, great. Andre Rublev put his boy band career absolutely on hold to be a tennis player. Yes, so, exactly. And he looks the like the, the the furthest thing from someone who'd be in a boy band ever I mean he's quite terrifying at times especially the way he plays <laughs> tennis but then he's been but no I, I it was I, I don't think it's the kind of thing I will be listening to or buying but I think at the same time you're right with all this time they had off it's good that they've been able to indulge in other passions is that the way yeah. you should look at it well we've always had tennis players be fairly keen in music the Bryan brothers probably led the way for a while, oh, didn't they, yeah. with that? They yeah. had their own band. And there are a few other sort of singer-songwriter types uh, about. And, um, yeah, so nice to see that continuing on with the, the next generation because, yeah, Bryan brothers are not going to be around for much longer, or are they? Have you noticed there's one word I haven't said so far on this podcast? Do you know which word it is? No. It's a word I said a lot last week. and we got- Buttocks. <laughs> I think I think that was a few weeks ago that that buttocks was my word of the pod. This was a word that basically I was saying wrong whenever I said it. And ah yes, I enjoyed that. And how, did you realize I was saying it wrong and why didn't Absolutely. you say anything? Why didn't From the you very say anything? Begin- You're kidding. <laughs> and you haven't this is the first time hearing that you knew I was saying it wrong. Yeah. 
Really? I knew he was saying it wrong. Did I just think- thought no one else will notice. It's fine. You thought I was planning on saying it wrong. So a few people on um, Twitter got in touch and, and said, you know, why is Gigi saying asterisk instead of asterisk? Which mm. I didn't know I was saying. I blame it on the French. I'd only recently, I'd blame it on the fact I'd only just come back from France and I'm half French. But right. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that's much of an excuse. I'm still slightly shocked that you you knew I was saying asterisk, and you didn't say anything. Well, it jumped out to me kind of quite quickly because Asterix is one of the characters from Asterix and Obelix, and I used to love that magazine when I was a kid. And I went to the uh, Asterix and Obelix theme park just outside Paris, actually, <laughs> when I was little. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It was awesome, by the way. If it's still there, definitely go check it out to all no, our friends. Whoa, listeners. whoa, 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 whoa! You you went to the what? What, what did you go to? Asterix and you know Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I say half French. Brother loved it. Had so all exactly. the exactly. I didn't really what, but what was the theme park? Did you not go to the theme park? It was just no. an entire theme park. Yeah, I didn't know you were an Asterix fan. Well, I was when I was little. Yeah, that was that was my magazine of choice. Yeah, but hang on, you must have been a super fan to actually go to a theme park in Paris dedicated to him. No, we just happened to be in Paris with our family friends were in in Paris and they they took us there. It was awesome. But I'm now really conscious. Um, there's been a few times because there is still this debate about the US Open. Will it have an asterisk <laughs> by it uh, because of the, the, the times we are living in? And I'm actually having to write it in capital letters because I just want to say asterisk. <laughs> yeah, tough with the sleep deprivation as well. You put all that together. You're going to be th- saying obelix soon. <laughs> I think I think uh, that's a whole new level of sleep deprivation. I, I think both. I think both sound fine. Do both sound fine? What? So will there be an asterisk and obelix next to this USA? I, I still can't believe you didn't point it out. And I cannot <laughs> believe the first I am hearing that you knew I was saying that is when we're recording the podcast, when we have spoken every day since the last one. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought I'd save it, you know, to when we have microphones. <laughs> it's much better. Uh, I tell you, things are changing, aren't they? And I don't think, I don't think lack of sleep helps. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. I need to go back. Can we, can we rewind probably a couple of conversations now sorry about this hang on on no sleep we're now rewinding conversations <laughs> Wait, okay. just let me get this in before the end where are we but going? did you win your your goat debate serena williams yes, versus steffi graf you did yes you win? i did okay yes, and, 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 but i think i was I, I think i was quite lucky to have been able to argue the case serena williams because once you once you tell the whole story once you start from richard williams and his plan for his daughters to be champions and collecting rackets and balls before they're even born and you run through the story of playing tennis on the courts when there are drug dealers and there are pieces of glass and and you move through everything they face and the discrimination and what she's speaking for and representing on court and off court I think it's you have a pretty good case right it's kind of a slam dunk must I must say so uh yeah, well, good job. Congratulations, because if you'd have lost, that would have been uh, quite the uh, the stuff up. <laughs> well, hang on a second. I was up against Steffi Graf and, and Sam Smith, as it were. I mean, it's a, it's a tough player to argue Steffi down. Steffi Graf's and tough. She presents a challenge, don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, no, Serena is, come on, Serena, isn't it? It is. Uh, but is it going to be Serena in a couple of weeks' time holding the trophy loft at US Ooh. Open? 
I, I don't Ooh. I don't know I think could be I, I look could be people it could be look it, it could it, be oh 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 now you're changing no your it tune. won't be but the person that we, I'm saying it could be the person that it we, could be anyone no, from the it, pack no, she's in the it, pack it, it could be no don't be vague that it could of course it could be it could be Irina Sabalenka who we talked about a lot last week and Absolutely. has just gone out of since it could be but I don't think it will be so you're gonna say it it could be and then what do you follow that with it could be that's what I'm saying. Is that it's it? Got a chance. You're staying. You're st- you're staying that vague. Well, I do not think there are any favourites for the U.S. Open. We've got no form to go on whatsoever. I don't believe that the, the champion of Cincinnati is going to win U.S. Open. So we're no closer to it. I think she's got as good a chance as any. Oh, I think you're sitting on the fence a bit there, but. Yeah, I'm going to leave you on the fence. <laughs> I enjoy the fence. <laughs> I'm going to leave you rooted to the fence. <laughs> As always, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.